0: just willing to bless the Lord for all that he's done and all that he's brought us through. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. As always, before we go into the word, I'm going to uh, enter into the prayer one more time. ask the Lord to anoint me and anoint you as we always do. For those of you who might not have been with us, we've been looking at the, been on a short little series called The Armor of God. This will be part three this evening, but before we even read that, it's in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 19. Before we read that again, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Amen. Father God, with all of our breath, we give you all of our praise this evening. There is no one holy like you. There is no one deserving like you. There's no one worthy of glory and honor, of power and praise. So with all of our hearts tonight, God, we give ourselves to you. Not just our hearts, Father God, not just our words, but we give you our lives. We give you our time this evening, Father God, that it would be fruitful. We give you our minds, Father God, and we ask that you would just anoint us, Father God, to receive your word this evening. I pray that you would anoint me. My mind, my mouth, my words, my body, as you always do, that your your word would come forth with clarity, with anointing, with power, with understanding, Lord God. I pray that you would anoint your people, God, and that they would have ears to hear and hearts to listen. That you would come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, all the heartaches of the week, all the obstacles that we face, Lord God. And help us devote our attention to you. I pray that every seed that comes forward, God, would find a fertile place within the soil of our soul, that it would bear fruit and fruit that would last. I pray that you would be glorified and that you would be high and lifted up tonight. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 19. I'm going to read this and then we go on with the the word. But finally, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Amen? over the last uh, two weeks, we've been looking at the full armor of God, not the armor of man, not The armor of philosophers, but the full armor of God. We have been looking at the full armor, not just pieces. And this is what we, I mean, we've been looking at a piece at a time. But I want to remind us that this is about the full armor of God, that we can't leave any out. And and the whole point about the full armor we keep in mind is the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. And Pastor Darrell reminded us Of the heartbreaking news of this young man who found himself at a place in the battle of life where he lost. That he was overcome by things. And the reality is, remember church, this is what the devil is out to do. He's out to destroy. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. We're not in an earthly battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And we need to be prepared to overcome the demons of darkness. Not only in our own lives, but we need to be prepared, like Pastor Darrell said, to carry the light into some of these dark places and do battle against the enemy so lives can be spared and lives can be saved. Amen? Amen. It's like he said, it's sad news, that was right in our backyard. This this community filled with churches, filled it uh, on church row, and yet this one individual found himself in a place where he lost the battle and he lost the fight. God forgive us for that. We need to be prepared, Amen. So, and in order to do that, we've got to put on the full armor of God. That's not part of my notes. The Holy Spirit just laid that on me to encourage. That's what we're here for as a church—to fight against the demons of darkness so souls can be saved, Amen. And I encourage that we do that. So far, we've looked at the three pieces that are put on by Jesus Christ—the three pieces that we cannot acquire on our own, manufacture on our own, develop on our own, and even put on on our own. That's the belt of truth. the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of the gospel, which we've looked at over the last two weeks. Then Paul tells us what we are to take up. Last week we looked at the first piece of armor or weaponry or equipment that we are to take up, and that was the shield of faith. And I brought a word on that last week and gonna follow up a little bit on that this week, but the shield of faith is what we take up so that we are able to quench or put out all the fiery darts of the enemy, the Bible says. And what we need to understand concerning the shield of faith is that faith is the supernatural force of heaven that allows victory to come into our lives. I'm not going to preach all about faith again, but I want to look at a couple points as we go. I want us to remember that if we have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, the Bible says... That little bit of measure of faith that God has given unto every man, if we would exercise that measure of faith, we can say to this mountain, be moved from here to there, and it will be moved according to our faith, the Bible says. What we need to remember is that God steps out in front of faith. He doesn't walk behind it. He steps out in front of that shield of faith. The Bible says that He will drive out the enemy before us. He doesn't chase enemies behind us. He, he drives out the enemy before us. And the way that that he dries out the enemy before us is when we are willing to rise up in faith and hide ourselves behind that shield of faith and advance into enemy territory. And when we are willing to do that, when we are willing to exercise and demonstrate faith, God calls the host of heaven to our defense and they step out in front of us and they overtake the enemy so we can possess the land. It's the way supernatural things work and it's why we need the shield of faith. Because it releases God and empowers God to step out in front of us and allow us to possess our land. This is what we keep in mind. Faith steps forward, fear steps back. Faith makes room for God. Fear consumes that room and doesn't allow room for God. Faith releases God, but fear restricts God. Faith advances and fear retreats. Faith triumphs, but fear trembles. And we especially learned that last week concerning David and Goliath and the army of Israel that was out fighting around the valley of Elah. While the entire army of God. A royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a a holy people. Why, the people of God and the army of God trembled in fear and stood on the sideline of battle. While they trembled, David stepped out in faith and he overcame the enemy. The Lord went before him because he took up the shield of faith, because he put on the full armor of God, which we talked about, and victory was raw at church. What we have to remember is that David went forward. David made room for God. David released his faith. David advanced, and David triumphed against Goliath because he took up the shield of faith. If you want to triumph, church, you've got to pick up the shield of faith. If you want to go forward, you've got to go forward in faith. If you want to conquer, it requires faith. This is the shield of faith that we've looked at, church. We must take up the shield of faith so that the Lord can bring victory into our lives and so that we might triumph through our faith. Amen? When it came to the physical shield, and this is where I want to pick up because we've not looked at this so far, but when it came to the physical shield that Paul was referencing in Ephesians chapter six, he understood. Remember, he wrote this while he was in a prison cell, while he was in a Roman prison cell, while he was chained to a Roman soldier. He observed all their armor. He he knew by detail every little piece of armor. Remember, this is what he's referencing when he talks about the full armor of God. He's drawing a parallel. To the Roman soldiers armor and the weaponry that he has and he's applying it to our spiritual life and when he talks about this shield of faith he was talking about he was talking about the shield that the Roman soldiers carried. And that would even ward off some of the the worst weaponry that would be hurled against that individual or hurled against that shield. What David was letting us know is that just like the Roman soldier who hid himself behind the shield and found safety behind the shield and was able to advance into enemy territory behind the shield, we can do the same thing in a spiritual sense when we hide ourselves behind the shield of faith faith remember moves forward and when we are willing to move forward behind the shield of faith it's how we conquer our enemies it's how we take that territory that belongs to us and has been promised to us listen if you want to inherit your promise and you if you want to inhabit your promise you've got to step out in faith you've got to allow that shield of faith to go before you This shield that Paul was talking about was 30 inches wide and it was 60 inches tall and it protected the entire body. The shield that Paul was talking about in a physical sense was curved, it wrapped around the body, and it's why David said, thou art a shield about me, because the shield that Paul was referencing wrapped around the individual, and it covered their entire being, at least it didn't wrap like a a completely circle around them, because the other brother that was behind them protected them from the back. But it wrapped around them so that when the weapons were hurled against it, when the arrows were shot at it, it would deflect. It wasn't flat. It was curved so that the arrows would bounce off and be deflected when they were hurled against them or any other weapons, a spear that was thrown against them. It could be deflected. Paul was saying faith has that same ability. Faith has the power to deflect all of the arrows. It has the power to deflect all the things, the weapons, the tools, whatever it is that the devil will hurl against you. If you have faith, And you stand behind it, your faith has the power to deflect anything that the devil will hurl against you. Amen. So here's what we have to remember. The fact that we we have that shield wrapped around us enables us to go into enemy territory. But another fact that we didn't have a chance to cover was that this shield was covered in layers of animal hide. And it was soaked thoroughly in water before every battle. Every time that that soldier was prepared to go out for battle, that shield was soaked in water or those skins were soaked in water all night so that when a fiery arrow was shot at it, it would quench the fire. So that when a fiery arrow happened to stick into the shield, the water would put it out. It's exactly why in verse 16 it says that faith is able to quench all of the fiery darts that the enemy will throw against you. It's all, and understand what he says here too, all of the arrows. It didn't say some of the arrows. It didn't say a portion of the arrows. It said that when you lift up a shield of faith in your life, it is able to deflect all of the fiery arrows that the devil will throw against you. The reality is faith has the power to overcome every single weapon the devil will form against you. It's why there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. Because when we lift up that shield of faith, it has the power to defeat every single weapon that the devil has designed against you. But if we don't lift up the shield of faith, we allow ourselves, we allow the devil access into our lives. We allow the devil access into our family or whatever area. We're not lifting up that shield of faith, church. But it has the power to overcome every obstacle and quench every arrow that the enemy hurls against us. It's what faith does. Faith has the power, you know it, to put out flames, Faith has the power to separate a sea. Faith has the power to bring down walls and move mountains. Faith has the power, according to this passage, to put out fiery arrows. Same way it put out the fire for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, church. When they entered into that fiery furnace, you all know the story. They went into that furnace in faith, understanding that God was going to watch after them, understanding that God was going to protect them. The fire was burning. As a matter of fact, in a human sense, it was seven times hotter than it had ever been. But faith kept them safe. Faith, you know what faith did? Faith burned the chains and the ropes that were around them, but it doesn't touch their clothes. It didn't singe their clothes. And it didn't even let them smell like smoke. That's the power of faith. Even though the the furnace was turned up seven times hotter, it burned the ropes that bound them and it burned up the guys that threw them in the fire. But it didn't burn them because they stepped out in faith. And it's what God is trying to teach us and it's what Paul is trying to teach us in this battle that you're waging in life. This spiritual battle that you're waging in life, you better take up the shield of faith or you're going to get burned or you're going to get burned. And the reality is when we do step out in faith, it doesn't matter what the devil hurls against us. It doesn't matter how high he turns up the heat. It doesn't matter what obstacle stands in front of you. It can come down in the name of Jesus by faith. Amen. And this is what we're learning in this. Faith keeps us from getting burned. One of the questions that I have, or the Holy Spirit has for us tonight, is are we soaked in faith? Is faith wrapped all around us? Are we saturated in faith? Do we every day, like these soldiers, when we go out to battle, do we soak ourselves in faith? Do we saturate ourselves in the faith? Do we saturate? Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing, and hearing the Word of God. And so are we saturated in the Word? Are we saturated with the Spirit of God? Are we saturated with praise? Are we saturated with worship? Are we saturated with the the things of heaven? Has heaven reached down and poured itself into our lives? And if it has, listen to me, I don't care where you walk, you'll walk in safety. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For Thou art with me, Thy rod and Thy staff they comfort me. And I am saturated in the Spirit. Saturated. Listen, uh, Listen to me, church. There's times in my own life where I'll walk out of my door dry as a bone. Not saturated in the Spirit. Not taking time to saturate myself in the presence of God. It's a dangerous thing to do dangerous thing to do. We can't, we can't ever take the devil lightly. We can't ever take this battle lightly. We need to put on the full armor of God and we need to saturate ourselves in faith. We need to wrap that faith around us and we need to let it go before us so that we can overcome We need to understand that it is by faith that we overcome. It's by faith that we conquer. It's by faith that we carry on. It's by faith that we gain victory in our lives. It's by faith that we will possess our promise, church. I don't want to take up a whole lot of time with this, but I'm going to read it anyway. I've got some other things to do, but Hebrews 11, 4 through 39, I've abbreviated some of the passages. These aren't my words, but this this is the Word of God that tells us, by faith... It's by faith that we overcome. It's by faith that the supernatural work of God is released into our lives. And it says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from his from this life so he did not experience death. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when he when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. By faith even Sarah who was past childbearing age was enabled to bear child to bear children because she considered him faithful who made her a promise. All these were still living by faith when they died the Bible says. By faith Abraham when God tested him offered Isaac a sac- as a sacrifice believing God could even raise him from the dead. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau and in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's son and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. I'm telling you, it's by faith. God is telling us, this passage is so important, we need to take time to read it. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born Because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And the writer goes on and say, What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell all about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and all the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, who by faith administered justice, by faith gained what was promised, who by faith shut the mouths of lions, by faith quenched the the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness by faith was turned to strength, and by who by faith became powerful. Powerful In battle and routed foreign armies by faith women received back their dead who were raised to life again. All of these were commended for their faith. The Bible says if you want to be recorded in the in the journals of scriptural history or spiritual history, it'll only happen by faith. If you want God to do something incredible in your life, it will only be done by faith. If you want to do something incredible for the kingdom of God, it will only be done by faith. If you need a miracle in your life, it will only be done by faith. If you need a mountain to move, if you need a wall to come down, if you need a healing in your body, if you need your mind to be transformed, if you need a son or daughter to come home, if you need a husband to change or a wife to change, if you need a miracle, it will only be done by faith by faith the bible says amen it won't be done by crying it won't be done by moaning it won't be done by complaining it won't be done by grumbling it won't be done by counseling it'll be done by faith the bible says it can be done by prayer if you pray with faith believing the bible says but i am saying all this and i read all this because it is a key to our success It's a key to our promise, and the key is faith, church, that must be exercised in our lives. It is by faith that the kingdom of God went forward, and it is by faith that we go forward as well. Amen? The next thing we are to take up. Is the helmet of salvation, it says, and the sword of the spirit. And he doesn't stop in that. He's saying, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, reminding us we can't leave any peace behind. He says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, because one does no good without the other. He's saying, take up the sword, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, reminding us that if we leave a peace behind, we're still vulnerable for attack. But what he says first is take up the helmet of salvation, which we're going to look at. The helmet protects the head, church. As you know, the head is the seat of our thought life. The head or the mind is where thoughts are born. It's where plans are produced and prepared. It's where concepts are conceived and created in the mind, church. It's what takes place in the mind of men. It's what takes place in your mind and in my mind. And the reality is every single day in this spiritual battle that we fight, the devil wages war against your mind. The reality is every single day, even in the middle of your sleep, the devil wages war against your mind. It's why individuals wake up with night tremors. It's why individuals wake up with terrors. It's why individuals wake up sweaty and afraid. It's why during the middle of the day, someone will have a panic attack. It's why doubt overtakes us and depression overtakes us and ADD and ADHD and every other name you want to put on it. Depression, all these other anxieties, church. It is an attack of the devil Upon our mind. And it's why we must take up the helmet of salvation because it's what guards our mind from the attack of the enemy. You see, the reality is every single moment of the day, the devil wants to place an evil thought in your mind. It might be an impure thought. It, it doesn't, it, so often we think, well, evil thoughts are just all about sex and that kind of stuff. An evil thought is any thought that raises itself above the knowledge of God. An evil thought is anything that takes your eyes off of God and takes your mind away from God. It shifts your thoughts from the things of the, 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 this, the, the kingdom to the things of this world. It's what the devil will do every moment of every day. He'll sow thoughts into your mind in order to deceive you. He'll sow thoughts in your mind in order to disrupt you. He'll sow thoughts into your mind in order to detour you or cause you to deviate from God's plan. He'll do whatever he has to in his mind. Because here's the deal. The devil knows if he's got your mind, he's got you. If he's got your mind, he's got everything about you. If he can plant one seed in your mind that you allow to grow... It can defeat your entire life, and it's exactly what the devil does, and it's why we must put on the helmet of salvation, church. Remember, it's the tactic of our enemy, steal, kill, and destroy, destroy his mind. And the reality is, this is the number one way for the devil to gain a foothold in our lives. It's in our mind. The Bible says, because as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so he is. And the reality is, listen, I'm not getting into all of this visualization stuff. I'm not talking about any of that. Visualize a Cadillac and you'll get one. Think about a Cadillac and you'll get one. I'm not talking about anything like that. What I'm talking about is if you think low, you'll live low. What I'm talking about, church, is that if you think like a spiritual pauper, you're gonna live like a spiritual pauper. If you think like a child of the most high God, you'll live like a child of the most high God. If you think like a slave, you'll live like a slave. If you think defeated, you'll never win. If you think down, you'll never advance. If you think backwards, you'll never move forward. If you can't forget about the things that lie behind and get your mind off of the mistakes and get your mind off off the hurts and get your mind off of the past, get your mind off of those people that did me wrong you'll never get to your promised land because as a man thinks so is he and it's where a lot of Christians are stuck, they're stuck in their low thought life, they're stuck in this low earthly mentality that they've allowed to take rule and reign in their mind and it controls everything about their life especially spiritually, church. Listen, if you look at Numbers 13.33... And it's the example that I want to give you of this. When Moses sent 12 men to spy out the land, and I'm not going to read the whole passage because you know it. When they were at Kadesh Barnea, they were about to enter into the promised land. They sent 12 men to go spy out the land to see if it was everything that it was supposed to be. Like God was a liar. Like they really even needed to send out 12 spies. Like God didn't know what he was talking about. But they sent out 12 spies to check out the land, the Bible says. And you know the story, two came back with a good report. Two came back and said that surely we can take this land. Surely we can defeat the enemy. Surely it's a good land flowing with milk and honey. Surely it's everything that God said it is, and we should go up at once and possess it. We should go up at once and take it. Two men walked by faith and not by sight. Two men, church, thought that nothing was impossible for God. Two men thought that they were the above and not the beneath. That Two men thought that they were the head and not the tail. Two men thought that if God is for me, no one can stand against me. You understand what I'm saying? Two men thought... That God was a keeper of His promise. And they had their thought process lined up properly. It's why they said, let us go up at once and take the land. Because of their thought process. But here's what I want you to see. Ten men came back. They saw the same land. All of these men went to the same exact place. All of these men held the same exact fruit. All of these men saw the same exact enemy. All of them drank the same exact drink. You get what I'm saying? They all went to the same place. But Ten came back with a completely different mindset and said the land is filled with giants. The land is filled with the descendants of Anak and they devour the land and they will devour us as well. If we try to take it, we'll die, they said. They said this. We are like, and this, 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 this shows us clearly their mindset. They said, we are like grasshoppers next to them. And here's the most important part. And they thought the same about us as well. And you need to catch this. Remember, these were spies. They were supposed to sneak into this land and not be seen and not be heard. So I've often wondered, how did they know... What the giants were thinking about them. If they would, they certainly didn't ask them. They certainly didn't walk up to a descendant of Anak as a child of God and say, Hey, what you think about me? They knew what they thought about them. They wanted to kill them. And so there's no way they walked up and asked the the descendants, What you think about me? They would have let them know real quick. But the reality is, what I want you to understand is it was their own thought process that caused them to think that they were grasshoppers. And it was their own thought process that made them think what someone else is thinking. I I hope you're grasping that, church. They projected their own thoughts onto those of the giants. And so what you need to realize in this process, it was their own thoughts that deceived them. It was their own thoughts that betrayed them. It was their own thoughts that deterred them from their promise. It was their own thoughts that led them into the wilderness for 40 more stinking years instead of into the promise that God had for them. Listen to me. If you got low thinking, you'll never drink milk and honey. You need to realize that if your thought process isn't straight, you'll never be seated in heavenly places. You will never possess a land. You will never experience the power of God in your life when you think lower than your enemies. You need to understand that, church, that we need to change the way we think. And we do it by putting on the helmet of salvation. They were thinking low about themselves church and their thoughts deceived them their thoughts kept them from their promise and it can keep us from ours as well listen the reality is ten men thought like grasshoppers it's exactly what they did they thought like grasshoppers while two men thought like giants ten men thought little about themselves They thought little about their chances. They thought little about their opportunity. They thought little about the promise. And they thought little about their God. And and the reality is, ten of them, church, had low thinking, while two thought they were bigger than the giants, better than the giants, better than the giants with God. Because they knew that with God all things are possible. And if you don't have that word, which we're going to look at as I... Bring this to a close in a minute. If you don't have the Word of God directing your thoughts, you'll never think high. If you don't have the Word of God saturating your soul and saturating your mind, you'll never live above your giant. You'll never live above your obstacle. You'll never be seated in heavenly places and you will never be an overcomer. Ten thought little about themselves and about their God, but two thought they were bigger than giants. Ten thought like slaves. Ten thought like paupers. Ten thought like defeatists. Ten thought like losers before they even lost. Before there was even a battle, they considered themselves losers. But two thought like kings and priests are supposed to think, If if God is for me, who can be against me? Listen to me. It's the way a king and priest is supposed to think. It's the way the son and daughter of the Most High God is to think that if my dad is for me, no one can stand against me. You see, those two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they knew who their king was when they walked out onto that battlefield. When they walked in, in, in into, the, into their, their promised land, they understood who their dad was. They understood who their spiritual king was. And their thought process was built around that. But ten wasn't. And they ended up being overcome and they missed out on their promise. Listen, how many of you know that you will never ever live above your thought process? You'll never live above your thought process. You will only live as high as your thoughts will take you, physically and spiritually. If you think you're a loser, you'll be a loser. If you think you're going to be defeated every single you'll be defeated every single time. If you think it's not going to turn out for you, it's not going to turn out for you. Because that's not faith. Faith believes that God is not a man that He would lie, or the Son of Man that He would change His mind, and that the promises of God are yes and amen to those who believe, church. We have to change the way you think. Listen, when you think little, you'll always be overcome, like I said. When you think defeated, you'll never win. In Job 3.25, it says, "...what I feared the most has overtaken me." And the truth is, our thoughts have the power to overtake us as well, with good or with bad. I'm not getting into some weird teaching here. I'm telling you that your thoughts have the power to, to bring you into your promise or take you away from your promise. Your thoughts have the power to allow God's divine design to be accomplished in your life or destroy it instead. Your thought process has the, has the power to overcome giants or to be overcome by them instead. It's the mindset that we have. It's what we believe in, what we, we dwell on, church. Listen, ten men's thoughts in Numbers 13 caused the people to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Ten men's thoughts caused an entire nation of 3 million people to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. If you don't think your thoughts have the power to move you one way or another, you're wrong. If you don't think that your thoughts have the power to steer your family, or steer your business, or steer your marriage, or steer your children, or steer your personal walk with God in one direction or another, you're wrong. Every thought has the power to drive a people. Every thought has the power to drive a nation. Every thought has the power to drive a marriage, a family, anything about you in one direction or the other. There were two thought processes in this camp. One, let's go. Let's get it. It's ours. And another, we can't. If we try, we'll die. Two different thought processes. And guess what? Because they followed the thought process that was lower than their enemy, they never entered their promise. Listen, there comes a point in time in every single one of our lives where we've got to take the Word of God and let it transform the way we think. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the Bible says. That you can so that you can understand how to overcome an enemy. When we conform ourselves to the mentality and the thought process of this world, we'll never overcome the enemy. Do not be conformed to the way this world works, operates, thinks. But be transformed. transformed. Transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can think differently. So you can be an overcomer. We've got to change the way we think. We've got to put on the helmet of salvation. Two men wanted to drive the people to their promise. But ten men drove them into the desert instead. Because as a man thinks, so he is. This is what you and I need to realize, church. Ten spies' thoughts drove the people into the ground, literally, instead of into their promise. Because if you know the story, the Bible tells us that because they rebelled against God on that day, because their thoughts were lower than God, because their thoughts were lower than their enemy, the Bible tells us that everyone except for Joshua and Caleb, everyone over the age of 20 died in the wilderness. Everyone that stood there on that day and allowed their thought process to be transformed by a bad report died in the wilderness. They were buried in the ground. I'm telling you that a thought has the power to drive you into the ground or drive you to the promise of God. And it's what you allow to take place in your mind. My question is, what's on your mind tonight? What thoughts are driving you, and where are your thoughts driving you? Where are your thoughts taking you? What destination is at the end of the thought processes that are going on in your life? What well, we also have to understand, church, is just like we have—we uh, can speak idle words, we can have idle minds. How many of you know that you can speak a word that has absolutely no power? We can, we can speak words, church, that have absolutely no no ability to produce any kind of power in our lives. We can speak words that are basically empty, the Bible says. They're idle. They have no substance. They have no value. They have no power. They have no ability to advance a cause or, or to acquire victory on our behalf. Words, words can be idle. And the truth is, thoughts can be the same way. Thoughts can be idle as well. The reality is our minds can be filled with idle thoughts all day long. Our minds can be filled with idle thoughts for five minutes, 20 minutes, one hour, five hours. All day long, our minds can be filled with thoughts, thoughts that have no substance and have no value. Thoughts that have no power to produce your promise in your life. Thoughts that have no ability to advance your cause or acquire the victory that God has for you. Thoughts that have no ability to develop God's divine design for your life. Thoughts that can make you wander in the wilderness and can drive you into the ground. It's the power of idle thoughts. It's the power of an idle mind. Idleness means that you have no particular goal in mind. You see, an idle word means... I really don't have a goal with this conversation. I just like to talk. How many ever been around individuals like that and talk to you for an hour and you wonder where in the world they're going? It's just idle chatter. It goes nowhere. I'm not, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just telling you, I've sat with people you can talk with them for an hour. And where are we going with this? It's been a waste of time. The reality is your mind can do the same exact thing. Where, where is your mind taking you? What is your mind producing? Are the thoughts that you're thinking, do they have the power to, to procure God's promise for you? Are, are the, th- it does the thought process you have, is it, is it set up or is it set down? Where is your thought life taking you, church? Because as a man thinks, so he is. I don't know, if this means you have no particular goal in mind and therefore you can be easily distracted. An idle mind, church, can be easily led astray. An idle mind can be easily overcome. An idle mind can be easily deceived. An idle mind can be easily detoured. And an idle mind can be easily defeated. It's why the devil works on your mind. He waits for that moment when our mind... Listen, he waits for that moment when our mind is just idle. He waits for that moment when our mind and our thought processes isn't taking us somewhere. He waits for that moment in time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our thoughts should always lead us up. Our thought process should always have an end goal and an end game. And the devil comes in when our mind is idle. It's not really the Bible. It's a saying that says an idle mind is the devil's workshop. An idle mind is where the devil takes out his toolbox. And begins to design your destruction and my destruction. An idle mind is where the devil comes in and calls all of his buddies. And they they set up camp there. And they begin to destroy your life and destroy your promise. They they begin to deceive you and distract you and do all of these types of things. So God's divine design for your life can't be acquired. But it will be destroyed instead. It's why we must put on the helmet of salvation, church. Because we must cover our mind. Listen, here's one of the things that I want to say before I move on and close. When David battled Goliath in the Valley of Elah, he thought like a king. He was a little ruddy boy, a delivery boy, carrying bread and cheese to his brothers. He wasn't in the army. He had no position of power He was not recognized to have any rule or reign over anything. He was a ruddy little boy delivering crackers to his brothers out on a battlefield. But listen, when he got there, he found a king, King Saul, acting like a grasshopper, acting like a little boy, acting like a a loser instead of a king. And he looked at his own king. What's going on, king? You see, here's what you need to realize. David fought like a king, and it's why he became one. David fought like a king. He marched out on the field like a king. He confronted the enemy like a king. He put on the full armor of God like a spiritual king, and he wrought victory for the kingdom of God. And it's why he conquered and it's why he became a king. And it's why Saul became a grasshopper and lost his kingdom because he thought like a grasshopper. Because he thought below his enemy. David walked out onto that battlefield and he thought above Goliath. He spoke above Goliath. Believed above Goliath. Marched out above Goliath. Are you grasping this, church? His thought process was above his enemy. And the only way you will overcome your enemy is if you allow yourself to think like a king. Allow yourself to think like a spiritual priest and a spiritual king, which we are. We are all kings and priests, the Bible tells us. And until we start thinking like kings and start thinking like priests and allowing that thought process to dictate our direction will be overcome. What we need to do is put on church, the helmet of salvation so that our mind can be guarded. I'm not going to even have time to get onto the sword of the spirit. We're going to look at that next week, but that's what Paul says. He finally says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we're going to look at that next week. But here's what I want to end with church. The reality is our thought process has the ability to take us in one direction or the other where your thoughts are is where you and I will end up. And it will either be in victory or it will be in defeat. It will be as king like David or it will be wandering in the wilderness like Saul ended up lost everything that he had. It'll be either in a grave like the 10 men and the 300 and the and the other 3 million Who ended up in a grave because their thought process drove them into the ground instead of their divine design that God had for them. The question is tonight, who are you going to be? Who am I going to be? Are we going to be a Joshua and Caleb who has our minds set above our enemy? are we going to be like the ten spies and everyone else that cried out, oh no, if we do that, we'll die. The reality is the devil wants to come into your mind this evening and deceive you away from your promise. But if you're here tonight and you say, God, I know you've got a design for my life. I know you've got a promise for my life. I know you've got a a land for me to possess and a promise for me to inhabit. And I know the only way for me to get there, God, is to make sure that my mind is covered with the helmet of salvation. I've got to change my thought process, God, and start thinking like a king. If you're here tonight and you're saying, God, I'm going to take up the helmet of salvation. I know I've got to protect my mind. The devil's been coming at me. I've got all these kinds of thoughts. I don't want an idle mind. I want to be... Be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I want you to stand to your feet and say, God, I'm a candidate for that kind of power in my life. Here's what I want you to just surrender tonight. Church, we're surrendering our minds to God. We're surrendering our minds to the power of God and the spirit of God so that we can be conquerors. Amen. So just yield that up to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. And God, I know I didn't have time to continue on and even had to cut it short, but you spoke what needed to be spoke, God. I'm thankful, Father God, that there was truth, Lord God, and some meat that we are able to take and and chew on, Father God, and meditate on. I thank you, Father God, that you have given us everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness, and part of that is the helmet of salvation. God, God, I pray that you would help us. To take up that helmet this evening, Lord God. It's our job. It's our task. It's our part of the responsibility, God. We are to take up the helmet of salvation. We are to not be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, you tell us to set our minds on things above where your son, Jesus Christ, is seated, Lord God. And as long as we've got our minds set on the throne, as long as we've got our minds set on the Father, as as long as we've got our mind set on the one seated beside you right now, whose name is Jesus Christ, who has a name which is above every name, a name which when one day will be spoken, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. As long as we have our mind set on things above God, the things of this earth will not defeat us. The things of this earth cannot disturb us. The things of this earth cannot destroy us, God. So help us to have our minds set on things above. Help us, Father God, to understand who we are through Jesus Christ. Help us to put on that helmet of salvation and guard our mind and our thought process. God, it's my prayer that our words would not be idle. That our words would not have aim. That our words would not be set toward heaven. And I pray in the same way, God, that our minds would not be found idle. That our minds, God, would be filled with higher thinking and heavenly thinking and holy thinking, God, and righteous thinking. I pray that you would touch our minds this evening with the power of heaven. That they would be transformed, Lord God, so that we could be kings and priests. That we would live like sons and daughters and not peasants and paupers, Lord, in the kingdom of God. I pray that you would help us in the name of Jesus to take up the shield of faith and to take up the helmet of salvation so that we could go forward into the darkness, Lord God, and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That we would be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we give you all the praise and all of the glory and all of God's people said. Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. I apologize for having to cut it short. So we got some good stuff for next week. We'll finish up next week. But go and allow the Holy Spirit to transform your mind. Amen. If you have a special need, be happy to tarry and pray with you. Otherwise, go and be blessed.